Greetings and welcome to Open Door. I'm Vince Robinson, and my guest today is Brother Ankh. He's an African-American educator of scientific literacy and the author of The Chronology of Human Evolution, Black Real Black Atheism Explained. He's the founder of Real Black Atheism, the Amin-Ra Squad, Pseudo-Killers, and the Masi Warrior Clan, and Team Osiris co-founder. Brother Ankh has been educating the black community through scientific literacy for over 20 years. His unique approach to educating the public on the synergy between African history and science has gained him recognition on many podcasts, panel discussions, and scientific debates. In the past five years, Brother Ankh expanded his community-building efforts and launched Abjuware, a culturally reflective sneaker and apparel company, and invested in the Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center. And I believe you are located in Baltimore, Maryland, Brother Ankh? Uh, yes, I'm in Atlanta now. I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. I'm in Atlanta now. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure the South has welcomed you, and I'm sure you're probably uh -huh. glad to get away from the cold that's up there in Maryland. Ooh. Boy, what you saying? <laughs> well, you know, I say that as we have this conversation, it's 18 degrees outside and uh, we had snow flurries earlier. So, um, uh, you know, I guess you're you're blessed to be where you are. And uh, up right. here, up north, we just we just kind of plow through it. But welcome to Open Door. Hey, 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 hey brother, appreciate you bringing me through, man. Um, you know, we've had discussions before. Um, I think I was on your show when uh, you brought uh one of one of my master teachers professor james smalls on yes uh you know i learned a lot a lot from him uh a lot about uh speaking to to just uh audiences uh how to do that what not to do and just how to you know keep it african so i'm you know my that's my you know that's one of my elders right there okay absolutely all mm -hmm. right. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our good brother, Kevin Chill Hurd, who uh, is the first person I ever heard to speak your name. And he spoke very highly of you and he uh, reflected a great deal of respect for the work that you're doing uh, with regard to African centered intellectualism. So I commend you for that. And, and I'm happy to have this conversation uh, with you today. So why don't we start by just talking about some of the entities that you are connected with? I see that you are connected with the Amin Ra squad, the pseudo killers and the Masi warrior clan. So talk to us about those three entities uh, and what they represent. Well, uh, it started with the reading of the work uh, of Chancellor Williams for me about 20 years ago. And with that reading of the, of the work, uh, Chancellor talked about having, you know, study teams. And so I decided to put together uh, a study team. So, you know, we came up with the name, uh, me and brother Ishmael Bay. It was a, it was a light conversation. I knew what I wanted to do, called her brother Ish. And I was like, Ish, let's, let's put together a team because you had the, a large team at that, at that, at that time. You had uh, Wesley Muhammad. They called him true Islam back then. And he didn't, he, he wasn't African-centered. And so he was, you know, Islamic-based, and he was making uh, claims, but he was fighting uh, with academia. Uh, uh, you know, he, had, he has a, doc, a doctoral, and so he, he used that to his advantage. And so at that point in time, I kind of realized that, man, we got to put together a study team that can preserve, uh, you know, African-centered scholarship and just mama Africa, period. And so, you know, I, I called Brother Ishab and I said, let's, you know, let's do this, put it together, and we was figuring out what we were going to call it. So I said, I'm a raw team. He was like, no, squad. And just that, just like that, that sounded right. And so we went with the I'm a raw squad and just dedicated to, you know, putting together, you know, real authentic African work uh, writing because we felt like uh, the elders weren't writing anymore or just people wasn't writing anymore. And we wanted to make sure the community was in a good space. And so there you go, I'm a raw squad. And, and so we dealt with the misinformation uh, in the community. It, we dealt with it in writing, we dealt, dealt with it in, with, with videos. And then, you know, the, the, there's the uh, Team Osiris, uh, Brother Ngozi. Uh, we, we put that together and that was a little younger team. And so the, the, the whole scheme is, it's to keep developing teams where members from, from a team develops another team. And, and and have a tight knit family, and then you know we get the Masi, the Masi warrior clan, uh, me brother Ben and the Hisi, 
So, so, so we start that out. And, and that's the Masi is dedicated to, to Africa, specifically uh, West, West Africa, and, and making sure that spiritual struggle and, and, and spiritual information is taken care of in its proper African context. And, and, and so it, it just it just got bigger and bigger. Now we got the pseudo killers. And that's a team uh, full of non-believers or atheists. And, and and that's crucial for our community because we don't we do not have to believe in a in, in a particular God to get to the story of African people. You know, African people have thousands of gods, thousands of gods around the planet Earth, of 47,000 different types of systems. So it, we want to be able to catch all avenues. And so the pseudo killers, uh, connection to the Amara squad, the Masi, and the Amara squad, there's a rule we have in place on the Amara squad. You cannot practice Islam, Judaism, or Christianity. If you're going to practice a spiritual system, it has to be an African-centered spiritual system. And we're clear with that. You cannot be a member, not less. You cannot be a member if you practice Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And that rule goes for all the groups. There is no, we do, we do not accept membership into the study groups if you're a Muslim, Christian, or Jew. Now, if you have an African-centered, original African spiritual system, then that's fine. Now, pseudo-killers, we don't practice none of that. You just got to love Africa. So, you know, we, we keep it, and at the center of what we do is the love for Africa, the love for her systems, her love, the love for her ups and downs, her rights and wrongs. And so I think this is powerful, you know, uh, uh, in this time, specifically being in uh, the situation we're in now, that is, it's important for us to have that literacy, in particular the scientific literacy. So that's basically, you know, uh, what it is. So I think we were specifically talk about want to go a little bit into um, the Masi clan. Y'all can get to our Wikipedia uh, page. Uh, Masi Warrior clan, y'all can kind of read up on that. It say the Masi Warrior clan is a pan-African scholarship group dedicated to telling the accurate story of Africa by highlighting its history and culture. Um, let me use some of the members. Uh, Brother Kofi, Brother Sean, Amin, Mayat Ra, uh, urban historian, uh, Brother JC, Brother Fortune's favorite, and Brother Falls. So, you know, it's, uh, hold on, let me give you, hold on, what I really about. Founding members include myself, uh, Black Panther, and Brother Nahisi. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in particularly proud of the Masi, right? Because they're adding to the scholarship now. They're doing the writing. The Kofi Pasai research team, I think you might have interviewed them. And so, you know what I mean? They, they're doing the writing now. And so it's important that all the groups produce literature. Uh, I have a book coming out uh, probably maybe in another six months. And we're going to have some of the works of the pseudo killers in that work. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to love Africa, brother. So I, I mean, I can't really uh, express the love I have from Africa. A lot of times when you listen to what we're talking about and, and, and what we're doing, people people make the mistake in thinking that we don't love Africa because we refuse to lie about Africa. We want to, we want to talk about our ancestors. Uh, we want to talk about the good things they did, the bad things we do. And that's the only way we can actually put the history in this proper context. Okay. Uh, I want to explore the, the idea of atheism uh, and you express that, you know, your members don't practice Christianity, uh, Judaism or Islam. But you also mm -hmm. said that it, it, it it's important that if, you know, they're connected with any kind of spiritual system, it be a traditional African spiritual system. There are mm -hmm. some who might argue that Christianity, Judaism and Islam are all African religions or they were derived from an African context. But, you know, when you when you mention the term atheism and you juxtapose mm -hmm. that against the reality that most of us have some type of connection to one of those three religions, how do you juxtapose an African spiritual system against the concept of uh, black atheism and, and marry those two? So, all right, so atheism in the broadest sense, is the absence of belief in the existence of deity, right? Uh, less broadly, atheism is a rejection of belief that any deity exists. 
All right, that's one part. But as you go into history, um, you're out. Let, let me hit you with the watch this. So, so what was it? Now watch this. Uh, I'm trying. I think it's page 35 in Civilization of Barbarism. I don't have it right in front of me, but <laughs> Diops talks about this. Now, now let me come to this right here. This is not Diops' work. This is uh, classical Greece and Rome. It says in Western classical antiquity, theism was the fundamental belief that supports the legitimacy of the state. Okay, so to believe in God, theism, right? It says historically, any person who did not believe in any deity supported by the state was fair game of accusations of atheism. Charges of atheism, meaning subversion to religion, were often used similarly in charges of heresy and impiety as a political tool to eliminate the enemies. Early, early Christians were widely uh, reviled as atheists because they did not believe in the existence of the Roman gods. During the Roman Empire, Christians were executed for their rejection of the pagan deities in general and, and the empirical cult of ancient Rome in particular. Um, so African people who was literally enslaved for a thousand years under Islam should reject the state-sponsored religion of Islam. Uh, African people who was enslaved, right, based off of Christianity, you got Pope Julian the fifth, no, Pope Julian the sixth, right? He writes the Papist bull. Remember, they, they draw the line down the map, okay? It's called the demarcation line. Look it up. This is during the age of exploration for the Europeans. And they was going out in these intercontinental ships and they were sailing. They were trying to get, they were trying to sail around to get to India, right? They didn't want to go through China. They didn't want to pay those tax. They didn't want to do none of that. And so they were starting to try to find out, trying to get more spices and sugars, the whole nine yards, right? And so they need to figure out a way to do these things. And so the Pope actually gives them Spain, gives them gives Spain the Americas. That's where you get Christopher Columbus over here because because uh, Portugal and Spain was fighting against each other. They they starting to fight over these resources and what lands they was going to claim. And so they you know Rome, the Pope got tired of that. So he draws a line down the map. It's called the demarcation line, and it it, it states right, what whatever area you discover that does not have a Christian monarch. You can enslave the inhabitants and bring their souls to Christ. Okay, once again, it's called the Papist Bulls. Pope Julian the Sixth. Right? I suggest everybody look it up. And when you read this official document, read it. Okay, it it it, it talks about whoever would whoever land you discover and they're not a Christian monarch, you can bring them. You, you can enslave them and bring their souls to Christ. From that moment going forward, I recognize that that I just can't play the Christian game. And obviously Christianity is not an original African spiritual system. And and obviously uh, um, Islam is not a, um, a African spiritual system. We have incorporated it, but it's not the original systems that we had. And so to understand that they use Christianity as a mechanism and they use uh islam as a mechanism as a tool to enslave african people it it, it made me start to look at the world in an in, in an african-centered point of view okay and that, so that that sounds like a good place for us to take this pause and i really appreciate the explanation that you're giving because i am absolutely certain that there are probably a lot of folks who are listening who had never heard an explanation uh, about that uh, that history, so to speak. We're going to resume our conversation with Brother Ankh, uh, the founder of the Amin Ra Squad, among other entities, uh, when we continue our program. You're listening to Open Door on 95.9 FM WOVU, a Burton Bell Car community radio station. We'll be right back. What can you do in the battle against COVID-19? First task, wear a mask, protect yourself and others. Armor up, armor up. Give those hands a 20-second shower with soap and water. Armor up, armor up. Give others space six feet just in case. Armor up, armor up. Get good nutrition in 
Digest for digestion. Armor up, armor up. Vitamin C, D3, and 4. Armor up, armor up. Elderberries, zinc, and echinacea from the store. Armor up, armor up. Get some fresh air. Go climb some stairs. Armor up, armor up. Let go of stress. Make sure you rest. Armor up, armor up. Your breath is the key to life. Strengthen your immune system, follow the guidelines, and win the battle against COVID-19. Armor up, armor up. What's up, Cleveland? It's your girl, Jazzy J, and I just want to know, have you downloaded our app yet? Yes, our app for Androids and iPhones. All you got to do is go to your app store and download WOVU 95.9 FM, and you can listen to us anywhere. We're back. Open door with Brother Ankh down here in Atlanta by way of Baltimore. And as you listen to him speak, you can you can tell he's from Baltimore. You, you sound sort of like somebody that we know from Baltimore that's blown up around the world. But I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, but we know who you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we took the break, you were explaining uh, the, the, the uh, connection uh, between Christianity and the slave trade. And I want you to continue your, your discourse about that. So we was talking about atheism and and, and what about it in, in, in Africa? And so I, I think the point was, was clear, we need tools. And so for me, my real black atheism, you can Google real black atheism. And of course I made it up because that's what intelligent people do. Africans have been making up things to, to set parameters barometers and understanding of their, of their world. Like we need to put together tools that will help us make sense of the madness. And so it's important for us to look uh, through the lenses from an African perspective because we have agency. So I just want to show my agency. So we talked about atheism. And, and when I put it together, it was about going against the state-sponsored religions. And I gave you the reasons why. We talked about Islam enslaving Black people. The Quran does not reject slavery. It endorses slavery. The Old Testament endorses slavery. The New Testament endorses slavery. Now, the Old Testament, New Testament, and the Quran, it does not endorse kidnapping. It's illegal. Okay, that's why we call it the uh, transcontinental kidnapping trade. Uh, in Rome, they endorse slavery. In Greece, they endorse slavery. But once again, kidnapping was illegal. Okay, uh, African system. Although at a certain point it fell to enslaving people, now there there, there wasn't any chiefs actually enslaving uh, uh, their own people. Let's get that straight. We always make the mistake, and we don't make this with Europeans. You would never confuse a a, a Russian with a European, or a Brit with, with you know what I'm saying a, a Brit with a Frank. They don't make those mistakes. But when you come to Africa, they make it seem like we were just one monolithic people. That's not the truth. And so we talk about slavery and enslaving each other. We never slaved and enslaved our own people, one. And the economy was not based off of a slave system at first, right? Reed Chancellor's work, and he details this in nauseam. And so once they started to disrupt the trade, the same thing that happens in our communities where, 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 where the businesses that are functioning in our communities aren't owned by us, Right. And I don't want to point the finger because we, we play a grave role in not only our own businesses. But 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 when the when the money making mechanisms is controlled by other people, you're actually messing up the trade and commerce in this community because we don't control anything. And the fact that we don't control anything, it causes the community to be a hood. A hood is a place where you do not control the money making mechanisms. Now, I bring us to this point to say that's the same thing they did. In Africa, what they did was they actually uh, started to mess up the trade. They started shutting down trade routes when the only commodity to make money to survive as a tribe was the slavery. Just like when you really want to make some money in America in a hood, yeah, the options are limited. And so people digress to selling drugs because that's the flourishing trade. You know, humans are very weird, <laughs> but it is what it is. And so I give you these examples to understand that we had flourishing trade before Europeans came in, 
They came in and they decentralized the trade. And so they left us with what? What, what was the money-making mechanisms? Slavery. So these kings that once wasn't in it, now they start to participate in it. Less than 0.000% of African kings actually even participated in the slave trade. So I'm saying at first we wasn't doing it. We didn't have a slave economy. When the thing came in and decentralized everything, right, when the only game in town was that, we started to participate in it. But even in participating in it, it was very, very low numbers. I just want to make that crystal, crystal clear. So I'm not saying we didn't do it. I'm saying you got to put everything into its proper cultural uh, context, right? So back to the point of uh, this quote, these religions supporting slavery. So why would I, as a functioning, thinking African male, ever participate in a religion that their God does not seem, does not seem fit to say that slavery is wrong? Wouldn't your God say in their holy scriptures, that's wrong. That's wrong to enslave these people. But their God gave no such treaties. Actually, I refuse to pray to a God that endorses slavery because the, the God endorses slavery. It tell you not to kill. It tell you don't kill your wife, but it don't say don't enslave those black people. So since I understand what a deity is and I understand what a God is based, based off of the real black atheism, I understand that human beings are put together and deify different things. That's why when you go to Africa, they say they practice animism, folk religion, meaning we deified everything, the grass, the trees, the birds, the bees, the flowers, the sun, the rain. We deify everything. In Christianity, they deify uh, 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 Jesus Christ and act like they don't deify the animals, but they do. That's the game they play. Same in Judaism and Islam. They deify Muhammad and Allah, and they do all that. But the point I want to make here is that human beings create religions based off their cultural understanding and their awareness, trying to understand their environment. And so Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, you can, you can read the book. The book tell you where they started at. We don't got to fight that. We know what the Middle East is. We know what Palestine and Judea is. They name it. And we know when they leave those areas and they go into Africa. They say Egypt. So, so we're clear. We, we know where Saudi Arabia is. We know where Mecca is. They're holy land. They're holy sites. They don't, make, they, don't, they don't make Africa holy in none of their books. So why would I do that? So the, the point that I want to make clear, why would I follow a deity that made it possible or, 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 or big up the process of enslaving my people. I wouldn't do it. Uh, I, I would never be subservient to that. I'm not suffering from an inferiority uh, complex. So most African-Americans, based off of this information being passed down, we suffer from inferiority complex. What am I saying? That, that you had a system in place for at least 350,000 years, living on planet Earth that helped you to inform and instruct your way of life in a particular environment, and then a foreign religion comes in, you think that'd be better, whether it was forced on you, whether you had to do it for trading, whatever it was, you accepted it, right? So that must say that you feel like the system that you've been nurturing for the past 350,000 years was inferior to this new system. So I don't suffer from an inferiority complex. That's why I try to tell the brothers and sisters, man, we need to start thinking for ourselves. Don't be afraid of their God, right? If, 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 if need be, practice African spirituality. See, when you, when you want to practice African spirituality, whether it's juju, uh, voodoo, ifa, right, yoruba, right? What you're really saying is, I am not afraid of the European Asiatic concept of God. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of uh, the, the people who colonized Africa. I'm not afraid of Europeans. That's why we never say that the European is the devil. You give them the ultimate power. Right there in their books, God never defeats the devil. As a matter of fact, God is the uh, devil is the prince of the earth, the king of the earth. He has dominion over the earth. So, so, so then why would I make a European that, right, that God doesn't seem to care about, quote unquote, the devil? Why would I give Europeans that much power? So, so I think we've been teaching a lot of fear. Uh, uh, you teach the people to fear white people when you make them the devil. Uh, you teach, we're, we're teaching fear when we're afraid to take certain medicines or certain vaccines, like it's almost like we're not intelligent enough to recognize the harmful effects or the positive effects or whether they're actually trying to kill people or not. 
You, you, you get my point? So I, I take it all the way back to refusal to practice uh, uh, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism based off the cultural context, based off of they using it as a tool of enslavement. So that's why I think atheism or real black atheism is important. And one last point on that. So in Africa, uh, we don't have, like, like all Africans didn't pray to God. That's a misnomer. You have people that just simply have ancestral worship. I mean, they just worship their ancestors. Like me, like I give honor and respect to my ancestors. My mother, my grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, my great-great-great-great-grandfather, uh, those that were in Africa, I give honor and respect to those. So, I, I, but I don't have to pray to a God. So let's, for the record, all African people on the continent of Africa did not pray to God. Some simply just admire and, 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 and venerate uh, their ancestors. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Oyamayat just came back uh, I think it was from um, Cameroon, and I forget the name of the tribe. That's, they, they, they don't pray to any gods. They just worship their ancestors. Okay. Thank you for that analysis. Uh, you mentioned the destruction of black civilization, and I think you also kind of implied that it was the genesis of your uh, awakening to the importance of understanding African history. Can you talk about the destruction of black civilization as it not only uh, relates to the continent of Africa, but how that carries over to our existence here on the other side of the planet? Say that once more. I want you to talk about the destruction of black civilization as it relates to Africa, but also how it relates to us here in America, because what happened in Africa affects us here. Man, look, uh, colonization uh, the taking of the resources, the taking of, uh, uh, you're not going to go into Africa and take the older people. You're going to take the young people. So, so you're actually taking away uh, the youth and, and, and the intelligence out of Africa. And so read the book by Walter Rodney, uh, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that work. That's a good starting place. And so they literally underdeveloped, they underdeveloped Africa, right, with the slave trade. Um, and in doing this, they actually left them in the Stone Age. So, so, so that's why you see development is slow in Africa, the infrastructure, um, things that are needed to put them in a position to be able to take care of themselves, uh, the, the understanding of science. Um, you, you, you know, our whole initiative is to make all African people around the planet scientifically literate. Because when you're scientifically literate, you can build the strong nations again. And so this this the slave trade. Uh, it was actually, and I think this is an important part most people don't get, the slave trade uh, was actually boosted the global economy. My fault, it was the global economy of that time. It actually uh, uh, ushered in the industrial age. And that's why reparations are so important, right? Like, like you gotta know if, if you got free labor for 500 years or so, right? Uh, what could you be at? Where would you be at? You know, how would your country flourish with free labor for 500 years? It's the global, it's the global market now. Everybody benefited off of the labor uh, of, of African people, uh, focusing on what they want to do for their world, right? Taking the focus off of our world. So you got a period of underdevelopment there. Uh, and then when we, when we quote unquote in Africa got our um, independence, right? What did they do? They left their culture. That's why a lot of African nations got, they speak French, they speak English, they speak Portuguese, so my point was always, well, why, why that? Yeah, because if you, because, because language is the way you transmit ideas. And so culture, like John Henry Clark says, is language is culture. So you lose your culture when you lose your language of understanding. Why is that important? Because you forget the way you do things and you're no longer adding on to what you need to do to move forward. And so in that sense, slavery totally uh, underdeveloped Africa. Not to, not, to, not to mention, it takes some of the best minds in North America, and then they use that. We're in the middle of a Black History Month, in the middle of a pandemic, and, and it's essential to tell the truth about that. So, yeah, they, 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 just the whole colonization, the whole losing of African uh, culture, the, the, the whole not, Af to be African is to develop on a constant basis, right? To, to be able to handle your situation. On, in a constant basis, to evolve and transform based off of your environment. That's what it means to be African, to add on, to understand what the mistakes are, the ups, the downs, the ins and the outs. This is, this is what's meant when we say we African-centered, meaning we will take the best from our ancestors and move it forward and add to it. Because I think, man, you talked about 
the electric car and how the diesel engine is just obsolete. I mean, that's important to know that. And so when the first intercontinental ship, wooden ship, came to Africa, that rendered all the canoes obsolete. I'm going to say this one more time. When the first intercontinental European ships came to Africa, that rendered all ships that wasn't on par with that obsolete. And so based off of the fact that they underdeveloped Africa, and based off of the fact that they underdeveloped African psyche and North America, it, it actually rendered us helpless. Because that's exactly what slavery does. And I hope this answers your question. It, it actually renders your free thought to have agency over what you need to do. Because just having this conversation, you would say, well, man, I get it. If Christianity Islam is a cultural system, because that's exactly what it is, it's defined by geography, it's defined by history, and it's defined by a people, okay? You can never forget that. And so if we're still promoting another people's history through Christianity, because that's what you're doing, through Judaism, that's what you're doing, and through Islam, that's what you're doing, you can see how slavery has been passed down through the generations, causing us to be default and moving forward in what we need to do. That's a real clear thing. So I hope it answers the question of what did colonialism colonialism due to Africa, what, right, it underdeveloped the minds of African people based off the transcontinental kidnapping. Okay, we're going to have to button up this segment right there, but we will be right back momentarily. You're listening to Open Door on WOVU 95.9 FM. My guest is Brother Ankh. Back in a minute. Crazy T, what are you doing? What do you mean? Why are you about to throw that out the window? I'm saying it's just, I'm just, I'm done with it. I didn't want to junk your car up. I was looking out for you. No, I'm sure we'll make a stop. You could throw it out a trash can or something. If I, wait, I got a little bag I usually keep, you know, right here. Uh, I'm saying, is it that big a deal? The window's right here. Um, of course. This is our community. We live here. This is our community. I'm, I mean, yeah, I know. You're right. Why would you want to junk up our own community? Uh, yeah, I ain't know you was going to get all, uh, you know, whatever, civil rights on it or whatever. Uh, you're right. You're right. I, my bad. I didn't know. You should be in the upworld yourself, too, when you see people do it. You know what? I'm going to do better, you know, because, you know, this is my community. I got to live here. You're right. We all need to do better. Don't litter. Littering is a serious offense, punishable by fines up to $500 and or 60 days in jail. Don't litter. This is your community. Brought to you by WOVU 95.9 BBC Community Radio. Our voices united. We're back on Open Door with Brother Ankh. He is the founder of Real Black Atheism, the Amin Ra Squad, Pseudo Killers, and the Masi Warrior Clan. And we were talking about the destruction of black civilization and uh, the impact that it had in terms of colonialism, how that affected Africa and how it affected us here in the United States. And one thing that I was thinking about as you were making the comments, uh, you know, that whole idea of infrastructure and the departure of the colonialists back to Europe, but Mm -hmm. the tentacles that were left, they were very intentional about not leaving a framework that would allow them to provide for themselves. So when you look down the road, you don't see a whole lot of manufacturing. What you see is raw materials being taken or extracted from the continent and being refined and manufactured in countries like uh, China and, and countries in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and other parts of the world, Mexico, Brazil, whatever. So, um, you know, there's been an intentional effort to try to keep Africa in a state of poverty. And then you come to America and you see similar measures in that, you know, we talked about economy earlier and we're not producing goods. We're not, you know, we're not contributing to the economy in any real way other than spending our money. We've got over a trillion dollars flowing through our hands on a yearly basis. But what do we have to show for it? So. There's a lot to unpack in what you have shared with us today. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you have any suggestions or for what can be done to raise consciousness to motivate folks to be more inclined to in, involve themselves in commerce, involve themselves in trade, involve themselves in manufacturing, involve themselves in developing relationships with our brothers and sisters on the continent of Africa to raise our own standards? So you said something that was valuable, and people will try to act like 
what you said wasn't accurate. Okay, you, you talked about how uh, they left, right? Because we, we because we got our independence back, okay, in Africa, and I, I stated that they left their language and their religion. And I stated that language transmits the culture and religion, all that transmits the culture. So when when you when you lose that, when they not educate you, when you when when you not like how. You leave an infrastructure, but you don't, like you said, you don't teach us how to operate that infrastructure. So, so at the end of the day, it's about scientific literacy, science, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay, it's about that. If we would have had that, we could have operated. The infrastructure would have been just fine. So we literally had to hit the reset button. That it was on. That was on purpose, because like you said, they wanted to manufacture products and goods outside of Africa. That, you know, they wanted to keep you in the Stone Age, like they like to keep people in the bush, right? They they want to keep you stuck right there because if you get back to being fully mechanized, infrastructure, concrete is essential in North America. In any in any nation, in any functioning nation, got to have concrete and infrastructure. You see things going on right now in Texas based off of the electric, the electric electricity grid and the infrastructure and how that not not necessarily uh, uh, proper like it need to be. You see what's happening, right? And so when they left us uneducated on said subjects, they left us for doom. They wanted to. They left knowing that we wouldn't be able to operate the infrastructure. Okay, they they understood that. Man, that was heinous right there. Oh, here, go ahead and take it. I'm taking my ball. Well, how are you going to play a game of basketball if you got the only ball in town? Of course, if you run away with your ball, all we got now is some basketball courts. We don't actually have a game. So when they left and took all the information on how to operate the infrastructure, it did just that. So, 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 so what am I suggesting? I'm saying that the only way to change this is to get invested uh, functioning cultures in Africa. Before the word science and technology, was invested in science and technology. The only, let me give you an example. The only way they're able to shoot that probe on Mars right now is because of the rockets they have developed. But you do not develop a rocket out of thin air. You have to develop a system that projects the rocket, but you don't develop that out of thin air. You can go back to the first tool makers, 3.5 million years in Kenya, off the Pistocines, where they developed hand tools. Okay, this is the beginning of the great arms race. This is throwing a rock is the beginning of a projectile. The body is actually uh, putting energy into the projectile and you throw it. So wait a minute, you take that rock, you shape it. You add a stick to that. Now you got a hatchet. That's a better tool. You can throw that hatchet even farther, more, more directly. Now you take that, that, that stick, that hatchet and you elongate it and now you got a spear, but the body is still the projectile and you throw the spear. Wait a minute, now you shorten the spear, okay, to a quote unquote arrow. You put the tip on the arrow, you take a bow. Now humans are no longer the actual power behind it. Now you got something, now you have energy behind it in the form of a bow. And the bow gives the, the, gives the arrow uh, uh, energy so they can travel farther than anybody can throw a rock or a stick. So without the bow and arrow, without the spear, without the hand tools, you do not have a rocket. There is no jumping in the world we live in. It's all natural. Humans in Egypt couldn't have built the rocket. There was no need for it. One, two, it's stages of development. And I think we all forget this. Although Homo sapiens sapiens are, are amongst some of the most intelligent beings on planet Earth, that Homo sapiens sapiens of 350,000 years are just as intelligent as Homo sapiens sapiens today. So why couldn't they build a rocket? Because it wasn't enough time. You need the developmental stages and it's a slow process and each process is based off of the last process. And so by the time you get to the point where now you understand that, 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 that we have an arrow and we need to project it. We need the energy to place in it. You use the bow. Remember the Nubians had those great Nubian bows and the arrows could shoot long distances? Well, when you're looking at an interballistic missile, you're just simply looking at a bow and arrow. 
So I say all this to say, right, that it's science and technology that needs to be at the core of what we do as African people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of businesses to be started. There's a lot of uh, uh, jobs to be had. And there's a tight community that we got to build. Who has demonized science and technology in our community? Who done that to us? Who said who said we was the most spiritual, but didn't include science and technology in our spirituality? Who did that? Who made up the rules for defining what was good and what was bad for us? Who did that? Who told us that spirituality was simply Christianity, Islam, and Judaism? And if you practice a uh, voodoo or, or, or pray to the god voodoom, then all of a sudden that's evil. Where do you get the term witch doctor from? So now our traditionalists who understood herbs, now all of a sudden they're the witch doctor. The pharmaceutical companies absolutely sit down with indigenous tribes in the Amazon, indigenous tribes in the forces of Africa, and they get the, they, they get the quote unquote raw materials, the herbs, right? And they synthesize it. Well, wait a minute. Where does, where does learning how to synthesize something comes from? Percy Julian, look them up. Percy Julian or Julian Percy. He's the first, he's an African American chemist. All right? He went to DuPont. He worked for DuPont. He started his own pharmaceutical company. He was a millionaire. He started in Mexico. He's the first person to reach total synthesis where he unlocked the magic of plants. And so you so you unlock the active ingredients you in the plant, you separate it, and you know exactly what it is. So this is why this particular herb works, or well, this is why this does this. So so African people are at the forefront always anyway. Who is at the forefront of creating the Moderna vaccine? A sister from Kenya. She's the lead scientist on the program of developing mRNA vaccine. So African genius has been here from the start. Where, they, where in the world do they even get vaccinations from? Like, who out there was that? West African. Odysseus, 1703, in North America. African colonies, African slave colonies, kidnapped victims were practicing inoculation in the, in the Americas before the Europeans ever thought about it. There was an outbreak in 1704 of smallpox which they have officially eliminated off the planet Earth based off of vaccinations, based off the African genius. I make this argument that the West African has one of the greatest scientific medical inventions known to mankind. I put them ahead of Egypt in that, that the medical, high medical science in 1703 actually would save North America because when the outbreak hit, only thing the Europeans had was some folk medicine and a good Christian prayer. And this is actually the start of the anti-vax movement. Because they was like, wait a minute. And excuse my language. They called the smallpox the nigger itch. They claimed that we brought them the smallpox, right? So how can we trust the information they have on stopping the smallpox? So in 1704, It chilled out for a minute. Around 17, maybe 1715, the smallpox came back again. So now they start to rely on the African technology of inoculation. And so in the history of the world, this is the first case study. You know how we talk about vaccine trial? Well, let me give you the first vaccine trial, inoculation trial. This is the first case study in the history of humanity who's been around for 350,000 years. They say, well, when one person, when, when 40 people out, when 40 people take, get the inoculation where they take the smallpox disease, pus from an infected individual, they cut a slit in your arm and they put that in there and you get sick for a couple of days. Does that not sound familiar? But now once you get over your sickness, okay, now you have immunity against the smallpox disease. And so they said out of 40 people to take it, only one person died. Right, but two out of but two out of seven people die who don't take the inoculation, and so that's an easy move right there. At this point, we're gonna go with the one in forty instead of the two and seven down who don't got it. But this is the first case study, and so as Cotton Mathis, who was actually the slave owner of Onesimus, he writes back to England, and he tells them of what's going on. They use that information. Right, 75 years later, 
Edward Jenner is credited with giving the world the first smallpox vaccination. Okay, based off of the African genius, the gift that keeps giving. So I'm, I, I, I am just livid when I hear people say, well, we ain't want to do that. But wait a minute, your ancestors developed this. You even call it violation or inoculation. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just about really knowing your, it's really about knowing your story. It's really about not lying about your story. It's about really knowing who you are. So for me, man, I always suggest, and I'm telling you, the only thing that actually raised man out of the ashes was always science and technology. Your, your quote unquote, uh, what you believe in always has to be second when it comes to raising civilization. Cause does the, like you say, does the chariot work? It either work or it don't. Okay, so we we really have to get to a point where uh, we are reflecting the truth in our narratives and we must begin to tell the stories. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with more Open Door on 95.9 FM WOVU. We're speaking with Ankh West, Brother Ankh, an African-American educator. We'll be right back. Okay, we're rounding third and headed home, and uh, we're in our final segment of Open Door, and we are talking with Brother Ankh. He is the author of The Chronology of Human Evolution, Real Black Atheism Explained. He's also the founder of Real Black Atheism, the Amin Ra Squad, Pseudo Killers, and the Mossy Warrior Clan. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you were bringing to our consciousness the fact that vaccination or inoculation is something that originated in Africa and it has been a lifesaver for many. Uh, but I want to shift gears and talk about economics because I know that uh, you have also created a culturally reflective sneaker and apparel company. Talk to mm. us about Abjuware. Mm, Abjuware, uh, the actual name itself, Abju, uh, you might have heard it uh, uh, in Arabic. I think they call it uh, Abydos. Okay, this is the first place where the earliest writing is found, and that's the city in ancient Kenya. So, so the first form of writing didn't didn't come based off of spirituality. It came based off of economics and technology. They found these trading seals. Right, uh, you know, you mark your products and goods with a seal, letting everybody know where it came from and where to get this from. And so, the earliest form of writing is found on trading seals. Uh, the archaeologist that found it is called Gunther Dreyer. Look him up, Gunther Dreyer and trading seals. And so, I named my company after this because I always felt like that trade and commerce is essential for the African American. It's essential for us to trade amongst ourselves and trade amongst everybody else. It, it's it's essential for us to have agency. So so I actually got a boost from a brother named Ty, brother Tyreek. Uh, he actually started their guest footwear and and he was looking for somebody to help him out. And you know black people ain't used to making shoes, although you know the first clothes of invented mankind is in Africa. That's the only way Africans was able to leave. You don't leave the continent without having inventing shoes and clothes. Okay, that's for another discussion. But brother Tyreek had some shoes, some RBGs. I'll never forget it, they was canvas. And he was like asking people to help him out, who gonna do it? And so I stepped up. I felt like the idea was ingenious. He taught me the game, okay? So I always give homage to the godfather, you know what I'm saying, of the African-American shoe game, Brother Tariq Evans, Nagas Footwear. He taught me how to start my own company. I, I did it, I started Abju. I gave you the reason behind the name, Abju. And I like to make this statement, you can tell your level of commitment to racism, white supremacy by what you have in your closet. So everybody, when you get a chance, get up, take a look in your closet and see your level of commitment to racism, white supremacy. And so the development of uh, uh, the Lucille Parks, that's my high top shoe, was, was to show the African-American, the young ones that, man, you can have your own company too. You can inspire, you know, the colors, the red, the black, and the green, Garvey. You know what I'm saying? That you can, you can dream, and, and, and you know they make shoes on the moon and we can't go, huh? So I, I just wanted to show the world that, man, we can go. We don't need, we, I don't need you to go get my shoes for me. I can, I can not only go to the source, I can get the shoes, right? And I can sell them. 
So we just totally removed the, the middleman out of the process. And I think that was, I think that's just essential. Uh, you know, soon, maybe soon one day we'll be able to make our own shoes. But the point is, man, we don't always need a middleman. So I, I think that's, I, I just, I, I, I wanted to take that risk. Shout out to my mother. Uh, she's no longer with us, right? But, 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 but the spirit of her, when I say spirit, I'm talking about the DNA. The DNA that she gave me, half of my mother, half of my father, inspires me continually to stay on this path. So yeah, the, the company, man, it's y'all can go to abjuwear.com, uh, African-centered. Uh, we got all the Amaral squad, the Masi. We got um, uh, the pseudo killers, uh, sweatshirts, sweatpants, jackets, uh, business class shirts, button downs. Uh, we, we got the golfing shirts. The 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 Sarah, you know, the son of the sun shirts, um, uh, all the logos. And I mean, it's just important, man. So that, that that company right there is is what I use. You know, what I'm saying to educate the people, man. I don't get a lot of donations and stuff like that, man. You know, we I, you know we do this, right? And and it, I think it's just important to give examples. I'm also an investor in the Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center in Lithonia, Georgia. Uh, you know, uh, shout out. To the Black Dot Bookstore. Uh, so you know, it's it's just what we do, man. It's it's the love for Africa. And sometimes when people hear me speak, they be like, "Yo, well, I ain't no atheist in Africa." Well, wait a minute. So I'm not I'm not knowing that I know what all African people believed from 350,000 years ago. I, I just wouldn't know. But what I do know is they would have had the same mind. Everybody didn't believe. I mean, it's just simple. There's always a certain segment of the population that just don't believe. So that's what I want to say. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that there are those who are practitioners of Western medicine, you know, but then when they get certain ailments, they go to the quote unquote butch doc, uh, witch doctor or, <laughs> you know, somebody who's acquainted with herbs or things that that actually work and have been proven over time to work and people continue to use them because they have worked. So it's 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 kind of a, a dual edged sword, so to speak. So uh yeah, I just thought that was was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um I also wanted to uh, mention um the the film Black Panther. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago that film came out and then all of a sudden there was a resurgence of uh folks relating to their African ancestry or identity. And I'm just curious from your perspective, having launched this clothing line, have you seen any success in in your products as a result of that spike in consciousness that came from that film? Yeah, it was a spike, but how long is it gonna last? It's always a spike, but it, we need it need to be constant. I mean, I think that's important. Yeah. And then, then the question becomes how do we we maintain that? You know, because it's like we wake up and then we go back to sleep, you know. I mean you're the author of a book and you're connected with a lot of brothers who and sisters who are involved in uh, intellectual pursuits. But then when you look at us as a whole, you know, we gravitate towards films and movies and television shows. And we may not be so inclined to pick up that book. You know, for instance, uh, I attended a few sessions that you had when you're studying the book. Uh, the destruction of black civilization. And, and I found it absolutely fascinating to revisit something that I read 40 years ago and have it come to life again, simply because, you know, the brothers are on the call and they're reading the words and they're resonating again. But, you know, there's a saying, if you want to hide something from black folks, you put it in a book. What kind of a challenge does that present to you in terms of, uh, you know, this attempt to raise consciousness in our community? Huh. I think the biggest obstacle I got right now is my own people and the inability to realize that you can't fight the fight the same way you fought the fight in the 60s. You sure as hell can't fight the fight the same way you fought it in the 1700s. <laughs> so it's our inability to grow and understand that being intelligent is not a bad thing. So you get ridiculed in school when you're a smart guy when you're a gangbanger smoking cigarettes and smoking weed, you get all the girls based off of the tennis shoes you wear. That's the problem. We like the, the, the well-dressed slaves, right? 
And so we call it black allergy, where you make everything black and you don't tell the truth and you make and you make it impossible. See, like for me, and, and not trying to cut none of the listeners, but you know, for me, and, and here go the sacred cow in the black community, Jesus for me was never a good example of someone I could actually follow, because that's what you supposed to do, you're supposed to follow Christ. And the reason was because he was perfect. He made no mistakes. And so how can I follow somebody or something that makes no mistakes, right? How, that doesn't make any sense. And so the black owl just comes in and make African culture perfect and everything perfect. So, but, but how could that be, how could that help me out? I need to see the ups and the downs. I need to see that they just like me, that if they could do it, I could do it. And so I'm a science enthusiast. I'm not an expert. I love science. I read the same information that the doctors read. I read the published works. So if I can do it, I don't have a degree, then anybody can do it. You just can't be lazy. So, you know, the biggest obstacle, like I said, was people denying science. We call them science deniers. And, you know, they're going to kill us. The, the whole, like the whole malarkey, like kill us. Like since when do you, do you, do you catch a boat that takes you four months to get to Africa, grab the product, because that's what we was, we was products and goods, drive us, float us all the way back to the Americas, take it to the plantation and shoot us dead. Nobody does this products and goods. Like there's no record of white people shooting all their cows and shooting all their chickens. That's, that's crazy. Or, or pulling up all the vegetables that you just planted. That's dumb. So I'm not saying they didn't kill some of us to make to, to, to put fear, but I'm saying their primary goal never was to kill us. Their primary goal was to enslave us and slavery effectively erases your culture. It erases your agency. It makes you think you need them. So, so it, slavery makes you a kid. So, so now we're about, mm, based off the work that Martin and them did, I would say that we're 18 now. I would say that we're absolutely ready to take advantage of the things that Martin and them did. Shout out to Martin and those Christians. I would say that we're ready to, to, to start growing our communities now. You know, accepting African spirituality if we want to, but always keeping an eye on science. So there's certain organizations that get millions of dollars and they're trusted in our community, the Nation of Islam, we trust them, but they absolutely are science deniers. They absolutely had enough money over the last 90 years to, to produce an independent body of Muslim virologists and immunologists and biologists that could test any vaccine that came down the chute. So for me, my own people get in my way because I'm always getting, that's the white man's size. We don't need those books. We can just do it naturally. We misread the world, the word natural. We totally misread that. Okay. We misread a lot of situations, but go ahead. All right. Uh, well, we're, we're almost out of time, but I don't want the uh, ability for you to let us know about your platforms in terms of the products to get out. So tell us how folks can get uh, your the Abjuware and the uh, some of the books and other platforms that you uh, are able to Oh, use. man. Yes, you can Google uh, Kofi Pasai Research Team. Uh, you, can, you can go to our Wikipedia page for the Masi Clan Warriors. You can Google the Amaral Squad. You can also Google the Real Black Atheists. Um, you can, uh, we have YouTube channels, um, the Pseudo Killers. Um, you also have the Dagger Squad, where they talk about religion. Break that down. Um, the Amaral Squad has a, a YouTube page, and Masi has a YouTube page. Uh, we also have uh, Science with Sean. He breaks down the coronavirus every day. So every day we're on our studies with this, every single day. We want to be able to have intelligent conversations with doctors. We, we bring biologists on our show, black and white. So support those pages, support the store, Abjuware, A-B-D-J-U-W-E-A-R.com. So, you know, I appreciate the support, man. I actually appreciate you uh, bringing this on, and I appreciate that conversation you allowed us to have yes. uh, with those doctors earlier. I think that was a very... Uh, and blackening conversation. I think it told both sides of the story. And, you know, shout out to you, uh, uh, brother. I mean, I, you know, I appreciate you. And that's what respect and honor. Likewise, likewise, brother. I respect you. I respect your work. And I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share 
I'd like to thank you for joining us today, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Open Door right here on WOVU. Know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, make it a great day.